Hey folks, this is Wes Colton with the Introvert Unbound podcast. For this episode, we would like to welcome Chris Valentino. Chris Valentino is a dating coach in the Vegas area. And here's the thing, folks who listen to my podcast know I'm not a fan of most dating coaching. Uh, in fact, the reason I became uh, an introvert coach or whatever you want to call it is because I didn't find a lot of folks out there who really resonated with me on many levels and I wanted to kind of fill in the gaps there. Well, Chris is doing some stuff that I think is really cool because he has a background in, let's just call it adult psychological development. Neither of us are psychologists or anything like that. So we're not trying to make this too highfalutin, but my extended intro for Chris is just to say he understands some concepts about human society that most dating coaches have no concept about. And he also does basically just dating coaching. You're not going to necessarily be like, oh, this is some weird dating coaching. No, he is a dating coach, but he has this really in-depth understanding. So we're going to talk about that. And we're also just going to talk about some basic topics. So yeah, welcome to the podcast, Chris. Oh, thank you. Thank you for the intro. I appreciate that a lot. Yeah. Well, I had done a podcast I guess it was a while ago, but I had discontinued the podcast for a little bit called Evolve Yourself, Evolve Your Dating. And that's where I got into these concepts that we're not going to go too deep into them for this because I think they could be a little heavy for folks, but it's a concept called spiral dynamics, which is basically based on Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which is just the basic idea of we need food, we need shelter, and then all of a sudden we can start caring about other things. Once you get to that point, you're self-actualizing. So you're really working on yourself, adult development. So this spiral dynamics thing basically tracks that in adult humans. We understand child development, like, oh, I can understand this concept at this stage. Same thing applies for adults. So would you say that that's a, a, anything to add to just the general concept of spiral dynamics? Oh, absolutely. I mean, just the implications and the application of that specific uh, model of development, you know, it applies directly to the dating relationships. And also, you know, on my side of things, when I'm coaching somebody, I have to assess where they're at in their development. So I can start to adapt my coaching to where they're at. And again, with women, it's the same thing. It's like, you really want to get a better sense of who they are, what's important to them, what they value. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they might on their social media profiles or dating profiles, they might say what they value. And, you know, I won't necessarily believe it, mm-hmm. but, you know, there, there is a phrase, I actually heard it not too long ago, but it's like, you know, if you, sh- if you tell me what you believe and what you value, I might believe it. But if you mm-hmm. show me your bank account and your schedule, I'll know exactly what you value. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I think that's really what it comes down to is that, everyone is different. So if you're dating and if that's your focus right now, then you have to be realizing that there is not a one size all approach that works for you. And likewise with the women out there. So it's not like, here's what works with women. Now, of course we can say here is a general thing that if you're in this population is, is a worthwhile thing to try, but right away, you can already tell that Chris has some understanding of stuff that you are never going to hear from other dating coaches because I don't know why. I guess they're, they're not particularly interested in it. I, I think, I don't know what you think about this, Chris, but I think a lot of dating coaches, they they get stuck in a rut. And whereas they are talking about self-development all the time, 
when you're teaching the same thing over and over in some t- some ways you can prevent yourself from growing because you have to keep identifying with this static way of thinking and so i think that might be why a lot of dating coaches maybe don't stumble on this stuff what do you think about that yeah so i think it's there's definitely you know just with anything you start to get some success and then you start building habits around the success and then you know if it works you just kind of stick to that routine to that way of doing things mm-hmm. and you know somebody might come along and challenge those ideas and you know people get defensive people want to argue people want to kind of get into you know whatever they're wherever they're at they're going to want to sometimes depending on where they're at they want to kind of create like a dominance you know situation where they want to kind of convince and argue the other person like hey my approach or my way of doing things is right you're wrong and you know I feel a lot of coaches are definitely in that place where they want to just be the the most alpha dating coach or whatever mm-hmm. and they want to kind of impose their perspective on all their clients and even on some of the other coaches so with me I always I notice the patterns and you know I don't you know, judge, I just kind of notice like, okay, this is where they're at. And, you know, you know, with some of the other coaches, I've, especially here in Vegas, I'll, I'll run into them every once in a while. And there is kind of like a, I don't know, for me, there is like a mutual respect because I do appreciate kind of, you know, what they've gone through and kind of what they're teaching. And at the same time, you know, I'm focused on kind of what I am passionate about within this kind of huge community. And I think there's definitely a lot of room for collaboration within that. Yeah. And I totally agree. As I was learning about dating and whatnot, I certainly got information from folks who are in, let's just call it the the striving mindset. Mm. So, so it, it goes into different colors in spiral dynamics to understand kind of where people's values are, where their mindset is, where their, where their head is at. But one way that a lot of the folks in the self-development world is kind of like, you know, work out, uh, make sure you're, you're killing it. Like all that mm-hmm. stuff, which is really, which is really good and really positive. Uh, at the same time, it, it can be, it can be limiting that whole competitive in many ways, ego driven yeah way of looking at the world at the same time if you don't pass through that if you don't develop an aspect of strong ego of being able to push yourself you are also limiting yourself as well so there's beautiful stuff to learn from that and and i can say okay i'm kind of over just focusing on those elements personally but i can go back all the time and see oh wow that's that's a new way of looking at that concept or that's a valuable thing so yeah everyone has has value to to provide and then meanwhile, there are some dating coaches who who are then going into a different stage where it's kind of like, hey, we're all in this together. It's more about cooperation. And that that's really cool too. But sometimes they can be a little wishy-washy, touchy-feely and have lost some of their edge and backbone. And getting again into the spiral dynamics and, and hoping I'm not getting too much in the weeds for our listeners, but then there is a stage where you start being able to incorporate all these aspects. So you can know like, Hey, I'm going to have my backbone and I'm going to be able to bring it if I need to. Hey, I'm also going to realize I'm a part of a larger community. And just because I can take in this situation doesn't mean I'm going to do it. So you're, you're able to kind of jump into the different mindsets. You're able to utilize them when they're useful. And as a dating coach, Chris can, can, 
speak to this, I'm sure, we can understand where your headspace is at and we can basically enter, okay, I get I get this frame of mind. I'm going to assist with things based on their understanding and maybe also leave a little breadcrumbs for a broader understanding. Does that make sense, Chris? Absolutely. And yeah, and I think it's, you know, just having that empathy. Because I think even for, you know, as coaches, we are at one point, most of us had, I mean, it's very rare that you'll hear. I mean, yeah, there are some guys who are just naturals who just, you know, out of the wound, just, you know, came out naturally good communicators with women. But, you know, most that I've noticed, most guys who are coaches now, they definitely started at a very negative point in their lives where they were not getting results, nothing was working. And then they had to, you know, whether it's learning information, hiring a coach or exploring different ideas, getting outside of their comfort zone. But it's, you know, we have all in one way or another gone through, you know, the low points in our lives that we weren't able to communicate effectively with women and then having to learn these new skills and then transforming ourselves to this next level version Mm -hmm. of ourselves that is able to be more comfortable being uncomfortable approaching communicating you know doing things that in the past would have seemed kind of impossible like it's almost like and i know in the community in the whole seduction community there's this whole conversation around you know the matrix and the blue pill red pill and and Mm -hmm. those are interesting communities now online but that metaphor is still very valuable in the sense that Mm-hmm. You know, there was like this older way of looking at things and then you, you know, blue pill or red pilled yourself, depending on, on which route, you know, again, the metaphor, yeah, the, you get this view of human nature, this view of the experience of dating and it totally transformed all your past experiences, past beliefs of what's possible. Right. Right. So would you say that if somebody had a choice between a coach say they're looking for a dating coach would would you recommend that they choose a quote natural as in a guy who's just always been charming with women or somebody who didn't start great and then had to learn and develop those skills yeah i think i think it's valuable um because even for myself i've had both in the sense that you know and again it is kind of a an acquired skill to be able to meet naturals and kind of build rapport with naturals and then kind of see what they're doing. But, you know, the fast ticket for sure is, you know, if you do end up hiring a coach, that's like somebody's already prepared and, and specifically trained to help guys acquire the skills, you know, and I think the coach will be able to see where you are and you know they definitely work with many people so they can kind of see all the sticking points that guys come up across and you know it's just a fast track for me Mm -hmm. you know in the sense that in that session whether it's in field or on the phone they're going to be able to assess where you're at what's holding you back and really help you face those things that you know maybe felt a little uncomfortable at looking at at first but once you kind of really look at these parts of you that have been holding you back and give you different feedback to get you from point A to point B. I think that's just like the, the faster transformation point. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. And 
I'm more blunt and judgy than you. So I would say that if you had a choice between somebody who has just always been good at a thing, you can watch them, right? You can observe them and say, okay, that's interesting. But so far as them being able to explain a thing that they were just always naturally able to do, right? It, it's pretty rare I've found that they're really able to communicate that. But meanwhile, folks who, who had struggle, who were able to push through and had to, okay, so how, how long do I keep eye contact? You know, actually breaking it down <laughs> to a very basic level. Those are the folks who have those nuggets who can say, all right, dude, here's the next thing. Here's the next thing. That whole idea, those who can't teach. Now, obviously most dating coaches are good with women, but they didn't usually start out that way. And it, and it doesn't necessarily mean that they're across the board can appeal to every sort of woman. And that's right. ultimately not necessarily certainly not been my goal, but uh, you, you might run into problems if you're trying to appeal to every single woman out there. You, you might have lost a sense of who you are, but it was something you sort of mentioned before. If you have too much success, if, if things are always coming easy to you, you have no reason to grow to that next stage because right. usually it's failure that's like, okay, I need to figure out a different way of doing that. And that's typically the concept behind spiral dynamics, their, their life conditions. So we can talk about entire cultures, but also individuals. So if your life conditions are, let, let's, let's flip the, the script a little bit here and talk about women for a second. So if let's say you're a really, really attractive young woman, and your whole life, basically everything is just handed to you. Now we're not saying that that attractive young women don't have problems. Of course they do like anyone else. And a lot of people want to exploit them and manipulate them. So in many ways they have extra problems, but at the same time, they can ask for a thing and probably get it in many, many ways. So mm -hmm. imagine you listener, if your whole life, anytime you ask for a thing, you got it, you'd probably be a monster. <laughs> so the fact that these quote, hot girls aren't total monsters is actually saying a lot for them. But I think a lot of the time, maybe folks who have always had it easy, they don't develop to a certain level because they haven't had that, that difficulty. So if you're somebody who has difficulty, you should thank yourself for it because, or thank the world, because it's giving you the ability to develop these skills. And like I, I say many times, as an introvert, we have when it comes to dating, the, the initial stages of dating compared to long-term relationships, which we're doing, which introverts typically do better. We have a harder time getting our foot in the door by putting ourselves out there, get literally getting out the door, talking to women, that sort of thing. But over time, because we have to build up these skills specifically, we can actually blow a lot of extroverts out of the water because we get all of these pieces that we had to put together that they they've always been good enough that they're like, I don't need to worry about it. We're like, well, we, we got to worry about this. So would you say that for maybe a client who is like, oh, I'm never going to measure up that one way of framing it is, well, maybe right now you're not, but you have more potential than a lot of other guys potentially. Right. Right. And I think it's even at the beginning stage where they don't see it's possible mm -hmm. just getting them to even visualize it being possible like even that exercise is super valuable but it's until they get themselves into the habit of doing it and being consistent but also at the same time even if you're not having success at first you're still visualizing the possibility of it happening because mm -hmm. 
if it's there, it's going to keep you motivated to keep going. And then once you keep going, eventually you're going to start getting results. You'll see what works, what doesn't work. And you start building up on the successes. But if, you know, there is, there's a threshold of, of efforts that once you get start to push through that threshold and you start getting results, it's, you're going to look back and like, man, I should have done this years ago. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's been my issue because I only really started to mostly figure things out. I was in my 30s, so I'm now 42. So it was like, like about age 30. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna drop the bullshit and figure out what I can do. And yeah, I wish I had gotten to that earlier. But guess what? I wasn't ready for it. And I, I know that if it had even been presented to me, I would have rejected it. Which is what I think of when I put out information to say potential clients or people in like a Facebook group I've organized. And these folks are like, I want to do better in dating. And then they're so resistant to really any challenging of their existing mindset, even though it's so provably false, you know, for instance, the incel community, a lot of those folks, it's like they identify with, it's like they want to stay. It, it's not, I don't even call them incels. A lot of them are vol cells or voluntary celibates because they're so obsessed with their concepts that right. they feel the need to constantly prove that. So they get caught up in this ideology, but there are other people who are open to it, but maybe not yet. So that being able to figure out where people are at and yeah, I mean, as, as a dating coach, you know, there, there are a lot of folks who, who think they're ready, but they're not ready. And, and what, what, what do you think makes somebody ready to start addressing things? Right. So I think there's definitely pain, a lot of, you know, experiencing a lot of pain can help you kind of get through that threshold. But yeah, I think specifically with the incel stuff, which is interesting because I mean, in a lot of ways, you know, with my upbringing, I definitely had, you know, certain mindset of that mindset kind of installed in me because I actually grew up um, pretty religious, like Mormon. So it was, I don't know if it was exactly incel, but I was kind of waiting till marriage, that whole thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that value system, you know, it makes you perceive, you know, sex relationships in a very different way. So when I see these communities online of, you know, the whole incel stuff, you know, I definitely have a certain level of empathy in the sense that I know kind of what they're seeing and their kind of life experiences, their internal beliefs and how, you know, not getting results just kind of reinforces that kind of reality for them. And it's, it keeps them stuck. And it's, unless they're open to being more honest with themselves and it's like, Hey, this is how I'm actually feeling. Here's what I'm actually experiencing. I want something different. And until they, yeah, and I think it's just accepting where they're at at the moment, not accepting it in the sense that like, hey, this is this is like my life sentence and this is where I'm going to be forever. Yep. And because, um, yeah, because that can definitely lead to like very extreme thinking. Um, but just being honest, like, hey, there's a possibility if I try new things, I'll start to get new results. And it's, I think, just opening up to the idea of, let me try something that's a little uncomfortable Mm-hmm. and see what happens. Right. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of guys are not open to that and they would rather keep their current state of misery than really do anything to change because, because it's difficult 
And yeah, I think what you said about the pain thing is definitely accurate in terms of you feel enough pain. I know that's what happened to me. I remember I'm just like, all right, this is crushing me. Fine. I'm going to open up to the possibility that maybe some of this might be my fault. But also, if you have enough pain, you're going to be completely closed off. You're so traumatized. And maybe what I'm starting to realize is those folks might benefit from just more therapy than coaching as in just being able to talk about these issues. And I'm actually realizing this more in my coaching. I'm a very action-oriented coach. I, I don't, I'm not a therapist. I don't pretend to be a therapist. I, I make it clear that, uh, that they should get, everyone should probably get therapy at some point in their lives. But realizing that I can be incorporating more of just listening and they maybe may want to just vent and talk about their feelings and how they feel unwanted and resentful. I always felt like I would be ripping guys off if I'm just going to listen to them for an hour and charge them my hourly rate. I'm like, I'm going to provide you information. But I realize I'm realizing more and more that some of the, the clients who just, they're not ready for that. And uh, mm. so realizing where people are at, I think is is definitely the key. But I think it's so fascinating that you come from the the Mormon background. So was that a, a bit of a struggle for you to start being more open to the concept of casual dating and all that? Yeah, because I mean, to a certain extent there is in that community, there is a certain amount of like casual dating and it is normal, but it's, I mean, just the, the overarching beliefs and the structure of the social interactions, like the, the, the subtext is essentially like, you know, there's a path, you know, you're going to go on a, on a mission. Then from there, you're going to come back, you're going to get married. And it's, you know, there's a very specific path of what a successful man in that culture looks like. And yeah, I mean, just having that mindset and especially living in Vegas. So, it, you know, I definitely operated under the kind of like the, this idea and that you know it's pretty common and i think most christian religions mormonism specifically but it's like you know living in the world but not of the world so especially living in vegas where you know you're seeing like gambling and alcohol and you know a lot of just you know people having fun you know i was the opposite so i was op even within the time i was studying pickup you know i was still operating under these kind of value systems where I was approaching, I was setting up dates, but I wasn't, you know, having sex. I was still kind of very conservative, very reserved when it came to that. Yeah. Well, that's, and I don't even think there's anything wrong with that. Personally, these days, I went from being a bit of a romantic in that, like, oh, I, I'm going to fall in love. And then into, I became a bit of a what, what would be the word uh, dog maybe. <laughs> and, and now I've pulled back and I'm kind of, I don't know if now I'm up a prude, but um, I I'm closer to where I was before, but in a different way, I think before it was more of a needy romance. Oh, love. And, and now I'm like, okay, well only I, I'll, I'm not, I don't have to be in love to have sexual intercourse, but at the same time, I'm not going to have sex just to have sex. Right. And all that. So, but there is a lot of that in the, the dating coaching community. And it, and it may be that it is a phase that some guys have to go through and, and maybe not for years and years. And I do, I have seen a lot of folks in that, what they would call the pickup community, which is why I don't really feel like I identify with that, but they get really caught up in that. And it's just about 
the racking up of numbers and frankly being fairly manipulative, but at the same time being able to be a little bit more open with your sexuality and not judging things as much. So it's all these stages. And I think the fact that you do come from that that bedrock foundation, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with traditional values personally, but they are really constraining. And of course, like you said, well, here is the official way that you have to signal success in the Mormon community or whatever. So right. that is not super appealing to people who don't want to just fit into the mold. So then that's that next step where, okay, I'm going to be a little bit more open to sexuality, but it doesn't mean you have to become a huge slut. So it's, it's, uh, you know, folks who are listening, it's, it's not just all about sex all the time. And, and it's not, I, I would say a certain amount of it can actually start having a, a detrimental effect on, on the individual, but there, there, there's a lot of balance there, but anyway, right. but, but what I wanted to say about the, the idea of coming from a place where, okay, I wasn't doing this a lot with women to, okay, now I'm in the dating pool. I, I think it, it's a really interesting thing because, and I don't know if this is the case for you, Chris, but there was a time when I, I was struggling with women and then the time where, oh, okay, now I can get dates, right? And mm-hmm. I've both been in that headspace of scarcity, as they call it, and then abundance. And what's really interesting is it's none of that's really changed who I am as a person, right? Like, I don't think of myself now I'm awesome because women like me more like in, in many ways, I, it was always the same me. I'm just better at communicating it. And in some ways it's a, it's a very, it's a very unique perspective to have. Like again, let's say you're somebody who's like, oh, getting laid in high school and stuff like that. You're just, you always sort of take things for granted. And, and this is kind of going back to the learners versus the natural. So you think of a comedian like Chris Rock. Okay. So Chris Rock has a lot of material on dating. People are like, where are you going with this? But, all right. So bear yeah, with me. Right. So he does a lot of material on dating and a lot of it's obviously a joke. It's just said to be funny, but he does incorporate these kernels of wisdom. It's like, wow, that is some really good insight. And sometimes it's offensive, sometimes yeah. not as much, but here's think about Chris Rock. He is a little dorky black dude. Right. And there is no way he was getting laid when he was younger. <laughs> like <laughs> there's just no way he was not doing well in whatever community. And I don't want to make a, a stereotypical statement, but in the black community, I don't think he was necessarily seen as a really desirable mate in his teenage years. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that now he became, he got on SNL. He became a superstar. All of a sudden he had access to lots and lots of women. He's talked a little bit about this. But what I think he realizes, he's like, I'm the same Chris Rock, but now all of a sudden women like me for what? So I think you can go two ways with it. He can either be like, I was always awesome and they just never knew it. Or, or he could even be like, wow, I'm this, I'm still the same nothing in a sense, but I just have all of these trappings of fame and this is what real women really want. So I, I think a lot of guys want to become like famous and they want, they think that will be great. I bet you he has a lot of conflicting thoughts about that. Whereas for you work with a dating coach, you work on different aspects of yourself. You're not doing necessarily, look, I'm famous now, now like me. It's like, 
oh, I am developing who I, who I am. I'm the same person, but I'm a more developed version. I'm getting better at just saying who I am and expressing myself that you don't really have to be bitter about anything. You know, you don't have to be like, they only like me for my fame. Now it's like, oh, they only like me for my personality. It's like, well, that's great. That's what you want. Right. And yeah, I think it's even, you know, as coaches, we definitely, and even in, in our own personal lives for myself, I definitely try to understand the underpinnings of, you know, influence and persuasion and attraction. And, you know, again, with the naturals guys who just naturally grew up and kind of picked up some of these skills, it's kind of asking them, you know, they're essentially like fish in water. It's hard, you know, if right. you ask them like, hey, explain to me the biochemistry of the ecosystem that you're living in. Like mm -hmm. they, they can't because they don't have the, you know, maybe the, the training or the background to explain explicitly how his entire ecosystem works because, you know, he's just operating in it and it's not on it, you know. So, you know, the per, you know, for us to be able to understand what elements, why does fame work, what, what triggers, you know, the social proof behind that, like what's the, the emotions and the psychology you know, even some of the rooted psychology, evolutionary psychology that mm -hmm. underpins kind of our ancestors, why our ancestors were attracted to these qualities. And a lot of this stuff is happening below the surface and it's influencing all of us. And most of us are not even aware that it's happening. And, you know, again, with, you know, the distinction, you know, we're, we're not definitely not therapists, definitely don't claim to be but at the same time, you know, as coaches, we're, you know, we're shedding some awareness to our clients, kind of showing them like, hey, here's some variables, here's some options, here's some skills. And, you know, coaching definitely is very um, skill acquisition oriented, because it's right. like once you have these skill sets, then you have these options that before you didn't have. So it's just, you know, helping the client to see where they're at, what's possible. And yeah, I mean, with the Chris Rock example, like he definitely was super focused on that specific talents of stand-up and, you know, being a comedian. And in the environment in his life, he had these opportunities that came up, he took them up and it started just raising his clout, started raising his, you know, his kind of, you know, just his, his kind of persona just kind of blew up in, in the space. And, you know, got on all these movies, becoming super famous. And that definitely triggers like that kind of social proof fame. And it's, you know, a lot of people definitely go for that. And it, it does work to a certain extent, but it's, you know, it is kind of like an external thing that's, you know, it, it's, it's a very hard thing to get. But if you do, there's still, you know, challenges that come with it. Right. And it can fuck you up too. But you make a good point with that, where you say it basically was his personality. So he became known because he's funny, basically. Mm -hmm. So that was his personality shining through versus say, oh, you, you became known just because you're you're on a TV show. So it's comedy is one of those, or at least it was uh, one of the few meritocracies where Basically, can you fill seats? Can you make people laugh, right? There's no right. bullshitting around that. Of course, when it gets into TV, there, there's a lot of other things going on, but he started as a stand-up comic. And yeah, that's why a lot of the best 
it's one of the few fields, or at least it has been, I think it's changing, where the most best known comics are oftentimes the best. Like you can't say that like, oh yeah, the, the best known authors are always the best authors. That's almost rarely the case. <laughs> oh yeah, you know, the most popular musicians today, they're definitely the best musicians. Definitely, almost never anymore. But in comedy, because it, it is that you're just, can I connect with this, this audience? Am I genuinely funny? So, so yeah, he had a little bit of different way of doing that, but yeah, still the trappings and be careful what you wish for. You think of all these famous people, you, you get too much and it's like, you don't, you don't know what to do with that. I, I don't think we, as men, we can, we can function, we can process having infinite choices with women. <laughs> I think it's like, that's a woman thing, right? So women have to bear that burden of like, yeah, almost any guy will have sex with me at a pretty much any time. And I got to figure out how to choose between that. And obviously women struggle with that. That's a major, major uh, challenge that they have. So with dudes, it's like, well, let's see. Oh, she's cute. Will she be into me? No, uh, most of them aren't. Okay. Well, the ones that are, those are the ones I'll try with. So when you all of a sudden you have just like so much access, I think it, it, it messes you up, man. So, so for those who are uh, like, I have nothing, I wish I had everything. You, you don't need everything. You just need to be able to start getting out there and interacting more. But of course, many of us have not been interacting very much because of the pandemic, myself included. I've in many ways put much of my dating on hold. I was seeing somebody in the beginning of it, but uh, not anymore. So what, what do you think that the pandemic has done or is doing for just dating? It's just, it's just on pause. And once this is over, do you, do you think things are just going to go crazy or what do you think is going to happen? Uh, so, yeah, that is interesting. So I remember at the very beginning of the lockdown, uh, I was seeing all these articles about, you know, just how these dating apps were blowing up, which it definitely was concerning, but at the same time, it was just like, hmm, this is interesting kind of human nature, obviously is trying to find a way right. to kind of self-express. And at the same time, there was just this interesting, you know, I, I talked, I reached out to a few friends, kind of got a better sense. And for me, you know, at that time I was just like, yeah, I'm going to kind of chill. Um, I don't feel the need to, to be approaching, talking to women or mm -hmm. anything. So I'm like, yeah, I'm definitely going to like put myself on lockdown and just kind of bolt down for a little while. But yeah, it was interesting seeing kind of the the surge of social media and dating apps um, kind of really getting a lot more attention, a lot more usage. Yeah. And, you know, some of these apps started just evolving and actually up using video chat inside the application. So, yeah, I think we're <clears throat> getting into, you know, 2021. I think dating apps are just now more than ever i think virtual anything online virtual i think it's even remote work is just becoming the norm that before it was still kind of like very specific industries maybe if you were a, an app developer or maybe if you were you know doing coaching you know these very obscure kind of niches you know is normalized but i think now that the general public has kind of waken up to like the ability like hey you can actually do a lot more stuff online mm. Right. And the question is whether that actually turns into dates, whether it actually turns into relationships. I'm, I'm a bit skeptical. I, I always say, of course, online dating is a, a part of the portfolio, but there are lots of 
there are lots of problems with online dating that are just frankly not there if you know how to do cold encounters or what is my favorite which is warm encounters so for folks who don't know the idea of cold encounters what people call cold approach whatever is the idea of you're just talking to strangers versus warm encounters it's kind of a group oh a meet up around baseball cards or i don't that doesn't make sense but you know what i mean some sort of event where people get together around a a thing and then there's sort of an in-group which i personally think that's the best so whereas the world might be turning more and more virtual after the pandemic is over if you develop the skills to do cold encounters and warm encounters you are going to be unstoppable because almost no one else is going to be able to do that. They'll have forgotten how to talk to people. I mean, basically people were already not doing much of that prior, but now do you think that's a, 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 a valid point that if you learn these skills of meeting people in real life, that you won't have as much competition, you're going to shine because you'll be one of the few who can do it. Oh, absolutely. And I, I've always felt there was like a huge advantage that, you know, being able to just approach cold approach, mm-hmm. it just gives you a huge leg up in life, not just with women. I mean, with women, it's like being able to see somebody you're attracted to, and then within minutes, have a connection, and then, you know, see if she's open to furthering that connection. Mm-hmm. And it's having that ability is just, for me, it's been a game changer. Um, and I felt like, especially living in Vegas, I lived in an environment I was working at at the time at the at the Mandalay Bay. I was a lifeguard at that time. But when I had that breakthrough, it just kind of woke me up like, wow, I I live in a really amazing environment where, you know, I'm working at the pool and I'm meeting women from all over the world yeah. and I get to practice and, and kind of hone this skill. And, you know, I think that's one of the advantages of living in big cities is that you can you can meet so many people and you can have so many different connections and then see where they go. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, obviously if you're not in a big city, you can, you know, definitely take a little trip and get some practice in, or, you know, if you're out in Vegas, you know, you'll definitely have a lot, a transformation if you really apply approaching and it's, uh-huh. yeah, you'll definitely not be the same afterwards. I believe it. I've never been, well, I guess I was in Vegas once when I was younger. I certainly, I, we literally just drove through it. I, it's not my cup of tea, but I think so far as the, uh, an environment in which it is most acceptable to be able to signal your interest in women mm-hmm. through cold encounters, there is literally nowhere else in the world that is more conducive towards that. So even guys who don't like bars, that's where I take guys when I do field field trips and stuff like that, working out in the field with them. I take them to bars. I'm like, listen, you're probably not going to meet your wife here, but I mean, you might, but this is the best environment. This is where people go to socialize. It's totally okay to talk to people. They're never going to remember you. Even if you fail, it's, it's, it's totally okay. You know, you got to be on your best behavior, but you can experiment with things. It's, it's totally fine. Vegas, even more so. I personally had had never gone to Vegas at this point. Yeah, what what goes on there? It's it's not not what I'm particularly interested in. But I'm also very easily oversensitized. So I remember, quote, my Vegas many years ago when I was starting to learn stuff in my early 30s. I went to a yoga festival, and okay. it was too much, man. Like <laughs> I was just like 
oh my god oh my god oh my god like so these were both women that i was attracted to and at least was resonating with a little kind of hippier sort of type but there were literally thousands of them and it was it was overwhelming not because i was intimidated but because I just, I was like, how do, how do I select? What do I even do? And I did end up meeting a woman and yeah, we, we, we enjoyed one another's company for a couple of days. Um, it was funny, a quick, quick uh, story about that was uh, we had hung out the previous night and then the next day I was walking along and still like, there were just so many women around and it was just still, it was overwhelming. And then a, a woman passed by and she smiled at me and I was like, oh, hi. But I, I was like, okay, hi, you know, whatever. And I kept walking. And then I realized it was the woman from the previous night, but she didn't, she totally looked different. She didn't have her glasses on. Like it was a, to or she did have glasses on or something like that. And I, I realized it very quickly. But then next time I saw her, she was, she did not like me anymore because I didn't, but that's what ended up happening. I was just so overwhelmed by so many women that I just, I, I, I couldn't even, tell them apart anymore so uh that's that's a, a tip for you if uh, always always recognize the woman you hung out with the night before god that was, <laughs> was terrible but but so going to vegas and, and you make a good point about trips taking trips so that that could be a really great opportunity i used to when i was living in the northeast northeast i would go to boston only a few times but i would go there and just like, okay, I'm not in my normal environment. So it feels different. It's more of an adventure. No one's going to know me. It's not like, so I could be a scumbag or anything like that, but it was just my normal reservations of being in a place where I'm usually my rigid self, they were gone. And pretty much every time I would go on these trips, I'd meet a woman and I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. Like I, how could, how do I have like a hundred percent success rate of meeting a cool woman and connecting with her on these trips to Boston? But somehow where I'm living, it's a little more difficult. And it's it's the mindset. You can be in that right. vacation mindset. So would you say that would be a benefit, even if it's like, all right, listen, you're obviously not going to be living in Vegas for most people. You're probably not even necessarily going to be experienced that level of constant party in your normal life. But it it can it be a a very uh, a confidence building? Like what what's good about going to Vegas and say doing coaching with you? Oh well, I mean just the advantage of being in Vegas is just the abundance mindset that you get from it because there's just so many people. I think now, I mean, Vegas currently right now, the restrictions, right. You know, I mean, they're still there, but they're not as high as other States. So, you know, there's still a lot of people flowing into Vegas. Um, but yeah, I mean, you just get this abundance mindset that, Hey, there's so many women out here and I can, meet so many and have so many experiences and I can test and see what works, what doesn't work. And you can start to see what resonates. And, you know, a lot of people online will say, Oh, this is the best way or, you know, direct or indirect or whatever, but it's like, Hey, try it a bunch of times. Yeah. And Vegas gives you that opportunity to try these different skills a bunch of times and see what really resonates, what does work for you. And, you know, even you mentioned, yeah, that is kind of a bit of a challenge. Like there's like this sense of overstimulation in Vegas and there's a lot going on and that's, that's by design. And, uh, you know, just noticing the overwhelm, but, you know, you definitely, you know, once you go back to your normal environment, like 
you'll definitely have like a deeper appreciation of what's possible and you know you'll be more comfortable and it's easier yes but it, but yeah i think even with the same thing because i you know i definitely had different points in my life where you know living in vegas or working in, on the strip you know i definitely had those and you just reminded me there was a, a time when i was working at hakkasan i was uh, working at the nightclub to insecurity and they were doing the the hiring for the um the cabana models like the the cocktail waitresses for the pool mm-hmm. so i remember we went down to this lower level of the um of the nightclub and i just see this I step outside the elevator and I just see a, a massive row of women, all yeah. women, like, you know, types of women in bikinis. It was just like, yeah, there was, it was, it felt like I just, I was experiencing like kind of this blurry vision because it was too much. I was like, wow, this, this is awesome, but it's, it, it's way too much for, for 9am. Yeah. Yeah. 9am. That, well, that would definitely work as well as coffee. <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, in many ways, it could be like training, running at 9,000 feet, and then you come down to sea level and you're going to kick ass because it's going to be it's going to be both a, a difficult environment in some ways because of the overstimulation, but people are also more open to meeting and you can also you learn who you like and who you really resonate with, because if you don't realize how many different I don't want to say types of women, but types of people, people at different stages in their life. And for me, I always judged the party girls and I was like, ugh. and then I decided in my thirties, let's, let's give some party girls a try. And I, and I started hanging out with them. And first I was like, wow, I was surprised that they would actually be into me because I'm not of their world. And, but I was able to find connections with a lot of them. And then guess what? I realized but I was sort of right before, but not in the way that I was judging them. So I used to be like, oh, they're bad. And I was just like, no, they're not bad, but they're, it's not for me. That's not the lifestyle, like that chaotic thing. That, that's not how I live. And that's not really the woman I want in my life. But it was really important for me to say, look, there is some overlap. I can, I can tap into that. I can find the cool parts of, of these women and things like that. And at the same time, eventually be like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to, when I, when I recognize that in a woman, I'm going to, I'm going to step away from that. I could be friendly and things like that. So do you think that's a, a worthwhile thing for guys to be able to figure out the idea of, well, these are the women that would work for you and these women, maybe not as much. Right. And I think it's, yeah, we, we all kind of different points definitely start to put people into different categories and, you know, those, these categories can be, you know, stereotypes and, you know, um, almost like, you know, characters, characters of, you know, the reality, but it's, yeah, I think it's just a matter of experiencing and seeing, okay, you know, I do have my, my judgments or my biases and I think whatever, but let me, let me see what this is all about. Mm-hmm. And I think once you actually get in there, you'll have like a deeper appreciation and the nuances of you know that type of lifestyle that type of kind of experience and yeah i think it's you know i think vegas is definitely very you know it is you know hospitality oriented um especially if you're if you're working inside the casinos Mm -hmm. so my mindset has always been very you know accepting of people where they're at to where they're coming from and 
and then kind of just taking it from from there yeah um, so. i hear that yeah that makes a lot of sense and for me i really disliked a lot of bar clubs you know i would like to go to some rustic pub or whatever but realizing that's not necessarily where i'm going to be able to meet a bunch of people and stuff like that. So I started going to places that I didn't like the music. I really didn't resonate with a lot of the people, but I, I went for years and years and it was actually a really important experience for me because in a way it was like that phrase that you used before in the world, but not of it. I was like, okay, I, I'm not necessarily a part of this scene here. I, I don't like this music. I almost, I envy the people who come in there and they're like my favorite song, you know, like the way I would, if I went into a grateful dead bar or something like that. And, but that's just not the case. And I, and I couldn't, couldn't fake that, but at the same time, I, I fit in fine in a sense that I did my own thing. And I was, uh, I was able to immerse myself in the environment. And basically I told myself this, you can stop going to these bars as soon as you stop hating going to them <laughs> that was the challenge for me and i gra i got to the point where i was really comfortable there and then basically it was just over the last few years i was like i think i'm i think i'm done with going to these places you know on a, on a regular weekend basis and obviously with the pandemic that changed everything but i i wouldn't i wouldn't stop entirely but i started focusing more on other areas but would you maybe say that if you're just starting out to figure you don't, you should not necessarily be segregating who you're looking to meet. Like you should be open to whatever experience because you don't even know, maybe you are some sort of club rat, you know, and you just don't even know it. Right. Yeah. And I think it's just, you know, different um, areas of interest, different locations. I mean, you can, I mean, depending on how you have your life structured, I mean, you can be meeting women at the bars, at the clubs, at the, um, at the gym. And it's just a matter of, you know, just taking kind of like an assessment of like, okay, how am I living my life? What are potential opportunities of meeting women? And what opportunities do I want to explore? And yeah, I mean, maybe if you're, you know, not into like, you know, punk rock, you know, you might not be going to punk rock concerts down the street, but if you if you just go to it and just check it out and notice you know okay this is different it's outside of my comfort zone but at least you know i'm getting out there i'm trying you might run into somebody else that's you know probably not going to the punk concert but still you're just still kind of getting out there so i think it's having that diversity of experience just kind of opens you up of what's possible you know you might find and discover things that you kind of like but didn't think you'd like so yeah, and particular on how old you are, especially if you're a really young guy, your personality, sorry, probably isn't even formed yet. If you're in your early 20s, you don't even know who you are yet. So making too much of a definition of, I am uh, into this and I don't like people like this. Like you don't even know who you are yet. So so don't do that. But say you're, if you are a little bit older, you might realize, okay, I, I know enough to know maybe, maybe a Coke, sniffing stripper is not the woman who i'm going to settle down with and not not to have any negative judgment utilizing cocaine and being a stripper some women do that and and whatever 
but you can realize maybe that's not for me at the same time that might be exactly who you should be dating so who the who the hell knows i mean uh you, you can't say but all i know is that i i always suspected that and then i i learned to hang out with people like that and then with it being totally myself i didn't do coke or strip back for them or whatever <laughs> but uh i then realized okay not for me but it but whatever they're they're cool and that is kind of when you start realizing about your your stages of development and if you don't understand all that well guess what you don't have to because there are at least two coaches <laughs> chris being one of them who can take that into account for you but yeah, you don't need to worry about all that stuff. If, you, if you're at the point where you just haven't socialized much, your goal is to socialize and to do it in a way that is where you're getting pointers along the way. So you don't have to learn all these lessons and figure out yourself. That That's what I did largely. I did learn a bit from coaches, mm. but I honestly, most of it, I figured out a lot of it. I figured out on my own and it's a hard process because I had to just try all this this stuff that didn't work for a long, long time. And now I can just, I'm, I mean, you probably get this sometimes, Chris, like when it's like you can offer stuff to a client and they're like, yeah, I, I think I'll pass. And you're like, okay. Like it doesn't even like offend you. It's just like, it's like such a surprise, like, okay, interesting. Like mm. you'll pass up the fact this accumulated knowledge that will it would take you decades to figure out on your own and here it is and one little package for probably affordable and they're like nah so so <laughs> so what do you in terms of who to how do you know if somebody is ready I, we we brought this up before but as a way to kind of conclude this maybe directing it towards the audience how, if somebody is resistant to working on themselves and with a coach or not, whatever, it doesn't necessarily matter. A coach can help you a, a ton, but you can just find materials online or whatever. So how, how does somebody know if they're really ready to, to take that plunge? How, how can they identify it in themselves, even if they're feeling a little resistant? It's a weird question, but. Yeah, no, absolutely. So yeah, I think it's just being, and I, again, the term is like an old school book. Uh, I think it might've came out around like this, the eighties, seventies, um, radical honesty. So being like really, really uncomfortably honest with yourself and your situation. And it's, I think it's until you get to that point, nothing will really change. No matter how many books, courses, um, you know, podcast interviews you listen to like, nothing will change until you know and i think it, it does help to have somebody else mm -hmm. hear it right. and kind of help you process and talk it through and you know i've gone through that whole process of you know i mean the, for the first two years when i started you know, i mean this is you know back 2000 oh man it's like maybe 2008 2009 ish like you know a few years after the game came out you know, I was working at the Mandalay Bay. I was a lifeguard and there was these dudes and actually I was, I was at on my break and there was my boss. She, she mentioned like, Oh yeah, there was these guys and they were kind of using these kind of like pickup lines on me from this book that kind of looks like a Bible. And it, you know, it kind of worked on me and I was like, wait, what? Like, the, wait, there's guys learning how to pick up women from this Bible book and they're, they're out here. Like, wait, what? 
so you know i asked them like hey where are they like oh yeah they're in front of the wave pool i'm like all right so i go up and you know I t i'm talking to this dude it's like oh yeah you know it's this this book of this um kind of secret underground you know society of pickup artists and they're you know they're sharing all their tricks of the trade and i was like what and you know again i was still pretty conservative mormon and it just kind of blew my mind that this was possible let alone just being published yeah and I, I bought the book on amazon and then you know obviously there was a lot of things in there that kind of contradicted my values and my views you know mm -hmm. be, still being pretty conservative mormon and but it's still fascinated for like many years for like two years it's just like i i started listening to different interviews started buying different courses and started listening to a lot of stuff but i still couldn't get myself to approach like the the fear and the anxiety was too much for me to bear yeah but it, it wasn't until i really got honest with myself like where i was at what my experience and my results were and just like grounding myself in the in the reality of where i was at and i think once i kind of felt the full weight of where i was at and where i wanted to be i think that's that got me comfortable to actually reaching out and like pushing myself outside of the comfort zone so even if you know just booking a call you know with a coach is that step uh, you know that's one of those small steps you can take to start to get results but it, until you actually ground yourself in your current reality and your current results and like not sugarcoating or not making, Oh, well, I couldn't, no, no, just being like really, really honest with yourself in the moment. Mm -hmm. That's when things will start to shift. Yeah. I think that's beautiful. So that concept of radical honesty, but this is radical self-honesty. So it's not mm -hmm. necessarily have to worry about well, other people. You're just being honest with yourself. And I agree. That was the turning point for me. It was just, you know what, I'm going to stop coming up with these delusions and explaining everything away. I'm going to openly consider where I'm at and why it might be. And sometimes, you know, sometimes I was right about some, some concepts and theories, but a lot of times I wasn't. And I, th I think, I think you're absolutely right. The guys that I see who are resistant, so they're, they're struggling, but that they can't even, they, they seem to literally can't even be able to take the first step. They're not being honest with themselves and be honest with yourself about your fear. I'm I'm mm. too afraid to even talk to a woman. Okay, let's get into it. What do you think is going to happen? You think they're going to kill you? No. Do you think they're going to, you know, so and then you when you actually start getting into that, you you make yourself vulnerable and you're like, I don't know, I just I just am afraid that I'll be ridiculed. Okay, well great. There it is. You you're afraid that you'll be ridiculed and of course there's a deeper root evolutionarily where when men when we did a talk to women there there was more of a risk back in the caveman days and if we were talking to the wrong woman we would literally be killed or exiled or if we're doing badly with one woman we're probably going to be doing badly with all the women in the clan and they'll see that but none of that even applies anymore but that self-honesty you you i think you hit the nail on the head so if folks want to get in touch with you how would they do so yeah so right now i'm actually helping in the group so if you go to um so i'm working with ryan johnson but we're if you go to next level pickup.com um it'll take you to a facebook group so we're still doing right now we're about to do some virtual events um so right now we're not doing anything um live quite yet but yeah if you go to next level pickup.com you know we'll add you to the facebook group and you know 
you'll kind of get updates there. That's excellent. Yeah. And now is the time to prepare, work on your skills, get yourself ready for getting back out into the world, which is, is going to be happening more and more. And I definitely don't recommend a lot of dating coaches, but Chris Valentino, he knows what's up. So check out his stuff, join his Facebook group and who knows, go to Vegas, maybe this summer, who, who knows, you know, it, it might be uh, an eye-opening experience for you. So thanks Chris for coming on the podcast. Really appreciate it. No, yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hey folks, this is Wes Colton, coach and founder of Introvert Unbound. I hope you got something out of the latest podcast. And if you'd like to keep up on future episodes, be sure to subscribe on Podbean, iTunes, or wherever else you found us. If you want to go a bit deeper, please go to introvertunbound.com and sign up for our free monthly email newsletter. And if you're serious about developing a more fulfilling social, dating, and professional life, email me at west at introvertunbound.com for your free 20-minute zero-obligation online consult where we'll come up with a game plan for you to leverage your strengths, overcome your obstacles, and become the introvert unbound.